0: Yes, yes, welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, and today, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, it is our pleasure to bring you former St. Louis football Cardinal and former KMOX-TV slash KMOV-TV sports anchor Tim Van Gelder. A Trip Down Memory Lane with Tim Van Gelder. Uh, I grew up and I watched Tim Van Gelder. So it's always one of those things, I guess that's going to eventually happen, might already happen. I guess it has happened now that I think about it, where I meet people, a young page views from Barstool would be one, like, oh man, when I was in the car with my dad, I was listening to you. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, I'm like, I thought we were peers, but you were listening to me when you were like 10 uh, and, but I consider it a compliment. Now, maybe as time goes on, I'll be like, oh God. Uh, but I said that to Tim and, uh, it's the truth. I can remember. And actually then I, I searched images cause I'm like, I'm pretty sure he wore like a sweater with a big collared shirt under it when he was anchoring, or at least that was his promo shoot for Camo V. Uh, and it was Camo X TV until a certain point. Then it became Camo TV. And uh, sure enough, there's the picture on Google images, Tim Van Gelder with the, uh, with the big collar and the sweater. And so uh, that's what I knew him as as a kid and didn't realize the caliber of athlete uh, that he is. I mean, this is a guy who was the starting quarterback for Iowa State. He uh, was in the NFL with the Cardinals, with the Bengals, and was Joe Namath's roommate for a period of time. You'll hear about that upcoming. And also uh, through a no-hitter at Iowa State, and also as we find out, uh, never had a handicap in golf over two, even though he's never taken a lesson. So it's the, it, it kind of got, and then I, then it, it, then he's got this head of hair, which we also break down. Uh, and then unfortunately, then we, when we get into my head of hair, uh, so it's, it's essentially you're listening to two people who, uh, won the Eck lottery and then just absolutely lost it. Really. I don't think had a ticket to it. And, and we're conversing, and I'm trying to understand what in the world this man uh, can't do because he has done it all, uh, from playing in the NFL to throwing no-hitters in Division I college baseball to being an incredible golfer. Uh, he was a plus handicap. And just like the nicest man, uh, Tim Van Gelder of the football Cardinals, of Iowa State, of KMOV-TV, and we did cross paths in the sense that I was hired by Alan Cohen, the general manager at KMOV in 2000, and Alan Cohen was the general manager when he left in 1986. So the uh, the tie that binds is there with us both working at the same television station, albeit years apart. Uh, we are brought to you by Ryan Kelly, the com. How about home buying season? Holy moly. I don't know what it's like going on for for you and when you're looking or if you're just looking at your neighbors putting homes up. But uh, this is something else. How quickly homes are going—it's unreal. I mean, I can't—I can't believe how quickly a home goes up and how quickly it has a, a either an undercontract or sold sign. And that is an illustration of the market. Well, Ryan Kelly and the HomeLoanExpert.com team can make sure that you are pre-approved, and you go in to the seller and you are armed better than the competing buyers because you are pre-approved. Take advantage of that. Take advantage of these interest rates in the threes with the Home loan team. Same thing you can do with a refi. I don't think people thought we were going to see interest rates back down in the threes. Well, we are. Capitalize on it. Do so by going to the Home loan studios. It's Ryan Kelly, our studio sponsor here on the Tim McKernan show. Our guest, Tim Van Gelder, presented to you by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming in. It is an honor to have you on. Well gosh. That's awfully nice yeah. thing to say to get things going. Yeah, well, I watched you growing up. I know sometimes people don't like to hear that. When I worked at KMOV, I was an anchor at KMOV from 2000 to 2005. Uh, I met Julius Hunter and Larry Connors on my interview, mm-hmm. and when Julius goes don't even say it. I know you watched me growing up. I don't want to hear <laughs> it, but I did. And you hold the people you watched growing up in high esteem. So I'm sitting here with somebody I watched growing up. It's super cool for me. Well, thank you.
1: you make me feel good.
0: Yeah. So you were at KMOV for 13 years. Is that correct? About. Yeah. yeah. From 73 about. to 86 yeah. ish. Yeah. Definitely. And, uh, what people, uh, I think a lot of people know, but maybe, uh, some people might not know the, the, Doug Vaughn, who I work with uh, on the radio show, he said, I'm telling you, I think Tim Van Gelder might be the best athlete I've ever been around. And he told a story about you guys were playing UMSL. And it was like some like exhibition game. And you, he thought, were in your late 40s or early 50s. And you're pitching against UMSL. You hadn't thrown a baseball in a long time. And you held them to like two runs over seven innings. (laughs) And he goes, I couldn't believe what I was watching. (laughs) I think one of the most fun
1: days I ever had, uh, St. Louis was part of uh, the National Fast Pitch Softball League. Mm-hmm. And they had a young guy, a young guy, whatever. He would come in from Springfield, Missouri, and he was the pitcher. And he was the best pitcher in the league. So St. Louis, I think they were called the St. Louis Browns. And the second best team was out of Philadelphia. Anyhow, they called, somebody must have known, I had a little bit of baseball background in college and stuff. And they asked me if I'd play a game. Well, what they're hoping is I'll bring cameras and TV and give them free publicity. And I thought, well, that would be fun. So I go. (laughs) And their home games were played up in North County at, some park, I don't know. Anyhow, <laughs> they put me in right field for a game, and, and first time up, I'm telling you, this guy, he, he was a lefty, and it was like he was handing the ball to the catcher. I mean, it was that fast. Mm. I'd never, I played a little slow pitch, mm-hmm. slow pitch, fast, fast pitch, pitch, but not that level. And I thought to myself, gosh, I just don't want to strike out. And <laughs> I think my third at bat and I don't know if I'd even seen the ball yet I mean he, he gosh it was a level I was never accustomed to anyhow. Count got to be three and two. this guy this Big, tall, lanky lefty is winding up, and I start swinging before even lets go of the ball.
0: Uh
1: And I caught it solid, and it goes towards center field. I went, Oh, fly out. That's not embarrassing. (laughs) And it goes over the center field wall. Oh, my. And it was, turns out it was the only home run in the game. And they made, and I got another hit. So I was the only guy that got two hits. I hit the only home run, and a buddy of mine had come to the game. It was sitting behind home plate, and he said, "You sure? When you came up to the bat, there was a guy in the stands real close to me. And go, what's he doing here? He's a football <laughs> player. He's making a mockery of the game." And da da da. Hit the home run. He goes, "Wow." I knew he could play. He wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't be here if he couldn't play. You know? God. But anyway.
0: Natural athletic ability. Well, there's something to be said for that.
1: Well, I come from a family of five boys, and we all went to college on Division One football scholarships. I remember when I was in high school, I said to my dad, who was a coach at Wisconsin at the time, Dad, where should I go to college? He said, you know, I really don't care as long as they pay for it. (laughs) In other words, you skinny little (laughs) dude, get a scholarship. So it all worked out.
0: Yeah, I would would say. So when you were growing up, were you just a natural athlete or did the fact that you had four brothers running around help raise everybody's uh, talent level? And your father being a coach. Well, it was just
1: my baby brother's seven years younger than me, mm-hmm. so yes, you're he was remember. a little guy. Right. My three older brother's five years older, seven years older, eight years older. And being a little guy, I wanted to be like them, and they played all the sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I say, the oldest in one, actually all three went to Stanford initially to play football. Uh, the oldest one stayed there. The next one had a girlfriend, and he spent too much time with her, kind (laughs) of flunked out, sat out a year, worked, and then went to Fresno State and was a little All-American quarterback there. The next brother, who was probably given the least amount of talent, he was the shortest, might have been the toughest, And there was a defense called the Monster Man Defense, which was basically a linebacker that would rove and not set up on defense in the same place all the time. Anyhow, he ended up going to Stanford and then dropping out and going to Fresno State also. And uh, he was their starting linebacker. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Anyhow. And my baby brother ended up going to Utah. And uh, when my dad had died, his best friend on the coaching staff, because at that time it was just myself, my little brother at home, he told my mom, don't worry, when my little brother's nickname was Brownie. When Brownie gets of age, I'll make sure he gets a scholarship here at Wisconsin. Well, he, he had a nice high school career, and was being sought after by some folks, especially University of Utah. And he had that Wisconsin thing available. And he called me one time, and he said, I don't know what to do. And I said, well, why don't you go to Utah, where they've never heard of a Van Gelder. And he ended up going there and had a heck of a career, ended up getting drafted by the Washington Redskins. Wow. So all five of us did okay.
0: Yeah, I I would say so. You chose Iowa State. Now, what was the decision-making process for you? What were you considering?
1: (sighs) Well, (laughs) one, they offered a
0: free scholarship. (laughs) All right, that's number
1: one. (laughs) And. My girlfriend, who was a year older than me, was going to the University of Colorado. And uh, when I turned Stanford down, uh, because I thought, gee, I don't want to just study for four years. I want to enjoy college, you know. (laughs) Anyhow, so I told Iowa State that I'd accept their deal. Well before Iowa State had responded to my letter because I initially told them no, that I was I went to a junior college for a year with the idea of going to Stanford. They wanted me to get my grades up a little. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I wrote my high school coach, Coach, would you send? Because in junior college, I didn't really have anything... To send highlight wise. Mm-hmm. So my high school coach sent a deal to Colorado. In the in and in the interim, I hear back from Iowa State. Full ride, you can come. And Iowa State and Colorado same conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I know. There was a coaching sta- change at Stanford, and one of the assistants. Formerly at Stanford was at Colorado, so got it. Okay, that makes sense. So I had my high school coach send a highlight film uh, to him at Colorado. Like I, and then I, as I said, Iowa State responded right away, full ride. Two days later, maybe a week, I get a call from the assistant at Colorado. We got your film that the high school coach had sent. Coach Crowder loves you could have a full ride. I said, but, Coach, initially you guys had said no. He said, keys in the mailbox. All you have to do is come and get it. And I said, but I gave Iowa State my word. It was the same guy. so that's how I ended up at Iowa State,
0: not Colorado. Did you ever think about flipping and going, you know what, okay, Colorado's where I wanted to go. Now the door is open? No. No. Once, yeah. once I gave Iowa State my word. That was it. That. That's about as honorable as it gets. That tells, well, that tells you a lot right there. It tells <laughs> you a lot about the way you were raised. Probably the the, the standard that was set by uh, your brothers as well, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm sure that all had something to do with it. Right. Well, you get there. It's a big eight team. It's a running team. Yes. And then your junior year, things change. What happened?
1: We got a new offensive coordinator a guy named Tommy Steglater he was from someplace down south but he was known for throwing the ball I started off I'd started my sophomore year hadn't played very well mm-hmm. we didn't even have a drop back pass in the offense my <laughs> sophomore year it was all rollout sprint out stuff anyhow so now fast forward we get a new offensive coordinator we're Practicing before school begins, and he said, "Okay, what I want you to do." It. And I went from a starter my sophomore year to practice my junior year. They put me a third strike. Coach says, "Okay, what I practice it ended." He goes, "I want to do something. I want you to take the ball like you're getting a snap and drop straight back." Well, both the guys in front of me uh, my junior year were both kind of roll-out, sprint-out mm-hmm. guys. Uh, when they took the ball like they were getting a snap from the center and dropped straight back, they were very kind of awkward. Mm-hmm. That wasn't there. Well, that was all I did, even in high school. So, you know, whoosh, drop back, plant up rep ready to throw and i guess that coach went in to the staff they were all taking showers and he said guys you better stop making fun of Van Gelder cuz he's going to be our quarterback and they went oh no he had his shot last year he wasn't worth it mm-hmm. and it was because of that coach that i i got a chance to play really and how did it go well we were competitive. We won some games we probably shouldn't have, and uh, I threw the ball quite a bit for, in those days. In those days, yeah. Uh, not like 30, 40 right. times a game, but <laughs> 18, 20, 25 on occasion, mm-hmm. which was tons for Iowa mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. It, it was never a throwing school. Right. It was always a running school. Anyhow, because of that particular coach, I got a chance to play Wow. and set a few records and stuff. But like I say, the records weren't all that huge. Mm-hmm. It's just they didn't throw the they
0: ball. They didn't throw much. the ball, so they wore the records. And in addition to playing football at Iowa State, you're playing baseball at Iowa State. And I see a 1.56 ERA your junior year, and you threw a no-hitter your senior year i mean I mean football starting quarterback, throwing a no hitter <laughs> and then also uh doing what you're doing with a one point five six yard right? were you ever thinking maybe I'll go major league baseball as opposed to n f l what was the mindset then um pro football was pretty far from my mind, and base- pro football was pretty far from
1: your mind, really, yeah, oh yeah, and baseball, I didn't really think I was good enough uh the the, the no hitter that was a hoot (laughs) we were playing University of Colorado they were in town and my one of my very best friends high school teammate was their captain and so his parents picked up my mother and drove from Madison, Wisconsin down to Ames for the three game weekend series because he Colorado and my ex high school teammate came to town and my buddy, my high school buddy had a heck of a temper and early in the game, he batted like second early in the game. He hits a kind of a slow roller between first and second. Second baseman makes a nice play and it's a bang, bang play at first. And Umpire calls him out. Well, my buddy high school buddy has a temper And he starts yelling and screaming at the umpire. I mean, pretty much too much out of the line. We pretty much had the same umpires for home games most of the time. And this umpire starts walking toward their dugout. I know what he's going to do. He's going to throw my high school teammate out of the game. And his parents brought my mother. for the first game of the doubleheader. And so I leave the mound and I intercept the umpire walking to their dugout to tell the coach that he's out. And I said, I don't remember the umpire's name, but I said, hey, he wasn't yelling at you. He was yelling at me. We know each other. High school. And the umpire, well, okay. Okay. But, He he would have had to go. And he turns around and starts walking behind first base. And I looked down in the dugout, the Colorado dugout, and I look at my buddy and I went, You owe (laughs) me (laughs) money. And that's when I ended up throwing a no hitter. You wanna throw a no hitter that
0: day? Well, karma. Yeah, you took care of your buddy, and then you throw a no-hitter against him. How awesome is that? So then what happens if you weren't thinking NFL, you weren't thinking you were good enough for baseball, and then you get drafted by the Cardinals? What What happened?
1: I figured, something? I figured maybe I was just going to be training camp bait, like my little brother set all sorts of records at Utah. Right. And he got drafted by the Washington Redskins. And, and I said to my mother, because my dad knew their headquarters, George and my mom said, Well, that's because the Washington coach knew dad. Yeah. And I said, Mom, Brownie's not going to make it. I said, Who are they going to cut? Sonny Juergensen, Joel <laughs> Theisman, Bill Kilmer. I said, Brownie's just going to be training camp bait." So you're talking yep. about George Allen, I assume, the head coach, the Redskins, yes. right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Anyhow. Oh, my little brother ended up playing a little in the uh, World Football League. Oh, the World Football
0: League. The Portland Storm. Uh-huh, Something like that. Uh, but you get drafted by the Cardinals in 66. When that happened? I mean, how how do you find out? Were you even aware that that could happen? What, get drafted? Uh, yeah. Well, I was a little surprised. But...
1: That's when there was an AFL and yeah. NFL, and I got drafted by the Houston Oilers also. So I went down and talked to them, and I'd go to St. Louis and talk to them, and back and forth, and the Cardinals
0: just offered more money. Yeah.
1: So, because I didn't know if I'd
0: make it or not. So that's the reason why you chose the Cardinals, understandably so, considering all that. So then you get into camp and what goes on. Yeah. A little different than being a training camp dummy, right? Yeah. Oh, It's like
1: you're hobnobbing, rubbing shoulders with guys you watched on TV when you were in college. And, you know, they got families, they got kids, and you feel like, God, I don't know if I should be here. I don't don't know if I'm good enough, you know. (laughs) And it turns out I don't know if I was.
0: (laughs) Now, you spent time um, on the practice squad, then fulfilled two years of ROTC commitment. Did you think your NFL career might be over at that time? Well, when I had
1: taken—see, that year of junior college between high school and going to Iowa State was a military school. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to Iowa State, the military deal—so I just got into— ROTC. Right. And when you do that, when you graduated, you're committed to two years active duty. Well, pro football was the furthest thing from my mind. right, And so after being with the Cardinals two years, I thought, well, if I'm ever going to make this football thing, I got to get this two-year Army deal out of the way. So... After my second year with the Cardinals, uh, I went in the Army. I spent one year in Oklahoma and one year in Korea. And I was lucky because that was right during the Vietnam War. And I was lucky that my orders sent me to Korea where I played football and basketball and baseball. And it just had a great time. Yeah, met some lifelong friends. Uh, Army. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was that like?
1: Uh, well, I had it pretty good because of the athletic deal. Yeah. The year I was in Korea, they made me the division sports officer. So if a, a colonel wanted to get volleyball equipment for his men, at their particular little base or something, they'd come to my office. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, to be in the Army, I had it pretty easy. Yeah.
0: Hope you're enjoying the conversation with Tim Van Gelder here on the Tim McKernan Show. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is our guest presenting sponsor every week on the program. His website is evergreenstl.com. His phone number is 314 889 Zero 03. The key with organizing your financials is working with somebody who knows how to get you on the right track. That is so important. Someone who works with everyday people every day. That's Mark Hanna at Evergreen Wealth Strategies. 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna has gotten a great response from our audience and the people who meet with him, the people who just get on the phone with him go, okay, Tim wasn't just making this up because the guy's an advertiser. I can tell this guy knows his stuff and I can tell this guy cares. And then I think psychologically after you talk with him, you'll be like, all right, I've taken the step. That big, scary monster that was on the other side of going, oh man, I have a feeling I'm not in the right place. You've taken the first step to taking down that monster by making the phone call. You will feel better. If you make the phone call, especially when you talk to somebody the caliber of Mark Hanna, do so at 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. It's Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. Well, you leave after fulfilling your requirement and you come back and you start for the Cardinals opening day, opening game 72. Yes. Against Johnny Unitas. Yes, my idol. I mean. Yeah,
1: I mean it was almost out of a movie script Uh, I mean hell I was in high school and he's winning championships now I'm out of college been with the Cardinals two years and the Army's two years and I'm starting against Johnny Hugh I don't even I just remember I was in awe and My pro football football career was nothing to write home about, but there aren't too many people I know that lined up five, six feet away from Dick Butkus and Ray Nitschke, you know. I mean, that's stuff I'll never
0: forget. (laughs) You beat Johnny Unitas. Well, I don't know about me. <laughs> the team you were quarterbacking beat
1: the team he was quarterbacking. <laughs> yeah, they, they, gave, and they made a big deal out of that because it was my first start officially. And Unitas and the Colts had won everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know why I all, all of a sudden— Why Jackie Smith popped in my mind. But I'll tell you something. Nobody, but nobody messed with Jackie Smith. On the other team, or for sure our team, he was the toughest, I don't want to say meanest, but you did not mess with Jackie Smith. I guess when... Uh, the Cowboys picked him up late in his, very late in his career. Mm-hmm. When he mm-hmm. showed up in their locker room, Cliff Harris and whoever who the other safety was, they kind of ran. And they, what the hell's he doing? He must be coming after me.
0: <laughs> and
1: unfortunately, he had that drop in the Super Bowl <laughs> Yeah, when they were two touchdowns down and uh, the Cowboys scored late in the game to make it a one score game so it made Jackie's drop a big deal right and I don't know but he is one of the most gentle nice people you ever want to meet to this day yeah but on a football field, you did not mess with Jackie
0: Smith. Oh, I love that line, man. Uh, 70, you look at that Cardinal team. I mean, Deerdorf, Conrad Dobler. Uh, let's see, we got a Mod Rashad here. Gold Gray, Roger Worley, uh, Larry Wilson, Jackie Smith, of course. We just spent some time talking about it. I, we have four Hall of Famers on that team. Am I right on that? That yeah, could be. Yeah. yeah. You surprised that team? I mean with a lot of talent, wasn't able to... What were you thinking as quarterbacking that this thing might actually have some potential? To well, I didn't
1: start the whole year. Yeah. But I, they were just the guys to me. I didn't kind of yeah. at that yeah. time think in terms of, of that. But one penalty, one drop ball, one tip pass, one sack can change the outcome of a game. Mm-hmm and you get a few of those mixed in all of a sudden you got a, either a 50-50 record or right. maybe even a loser and mm-hmm. there were so many close games yeah and jimmy hart came in his own i remember charlie johnson saying to me one time jimmy hart never plays a down of football unless i go in the army see he was the same thing i did He had taken ROTC. But and the reason I didn't have to go in immediately after graduation, they'll let you get further your education and then do your two years. Uh So I went to graduate school to get my master's at Wash U. Charlie got his master's, his Ph.D. Well, he finally ran out of stuff and had to go (laughs) in. Had to go and do his two years, and
0: that's when Jimmy Hart got his chance to play. Ah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Boy, that people don't think about that. I mean, nobody would ever think about that in 2019, yeah. the ROTC requirement. So you get released by the Cardinals, picked up by the Bengals, released by the Bengals, picked up by the Jets, and that's all the while being a sports anchor for KMOV. I mean, so I'm thinking you're juggling ROTC, that's enough. But here, here, you're, here you're an anchor at KMOV, and you're also playing in the NFL. Yeah, it
1: was kind of cute when I got picked up by the Jets. I stayed overnight the first night. An assistant coach who had a couple years earlier been with the Cardinals. I think his last name was Ship, Coach Ship. Anyhow, so the first night, he picked me up at the airport. And as we were leaving the airport, the New York Mets were lining up to get on the bus to go to Oakland to play game one of the World Series. And who do I run into but Tom Seaver. Now Tom Seaver and I played junior high basketball against one another in Fresno, California. And he sees me, he goes, What the hell are you doing here? You're (laughs) supposed to be in St. Louis. I said, damn, Tommy, that's two teams ago. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, he was a
0: great guy. (laughs) How great is that? So you run into Tom Seaver. He's about to go pitch in the World Series at Oakland. And then you get to New York. accurate? You stayed with Joe Namath in his apartment for three weeks?
1: The the
0: second, the first night I was in
1: town, I stayed with that coach ship that Uh picked me up. And when Joe was out for the year with a separated shoulder. Anyhow, I met him the first day, and what he would do, he'd come to the team meetings, and then when we'd go to practice, he'd go get treatment. So the second day I'm there, Joe said, Tim, where are you staying? I said, well, I stayed with Coach Ship last night. He goes, oh, hell, you're more than welcome to stay with me now at that time he was the biggest deal there was and i'm thinking to myself me with joe name <laughs> you got to be kidding me and i was married at the time and she came my wife came to visit so i get home from practice and walk the block and a half or whatever took the bus and <clears throat> she she being my wife and Joe are sitting on a couch shooting the breeze, and I said, "Joe, where where should she and I get something to eat this evening?" He said, "Oh, you got to go to so and so first in Lexington. Heck, it's so close you can even walk." And then it was just like out of a movie. He goes, "Do you uh, do you think maybe it's okay if I came too?" And I'm thinking, here's Joe Namath, the biggest thing there is in the country, and he's asking me permission to come to dinner with us. And I said, absolutely, of course. He said, great, I'll get a date. He gets a little black book, just like in the movies, pages, points at a number, dials the phone. Susie, this is Joe. You want to meet us at so-and-so at first in Lexington at 730 for a bite to eat? Well, I know I haven't talked to you for six months. You (laughs) You want to meet us or not? Anyhow, she shows up. Was she pretty? Oh. Anyhow, bottom line, Joe Namath could have been the nicest superstar ever. Ever. Great guy. Well, in fact, Mike Claiborne, does he still work? He's, uh, he's
0: with KMOX and with the Cardinal Broadcast. Oh, because yeah. I think I mentioned he,
1: for two years he and I did. He did a show here. Right. Right. Well, I get uh, a text from Claiborne about a month ago. And the before the, there's anything written there's a picture of Claiborne and Joe Namath side by side. How, where he was and ran into Joe and somehow my name came up. And, and I didn't, for some reason, I didn't get that text for like a day or so. Then I responded with a text and I've never heard from Claiborne. I wonder, and I'm wondering if, Let's text him right now.
0: <laughs> See what he's doing. I'm I'm sure it's a mistake. Claves is always on it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so <laughs> So you're hanging out with Joe Namath in New York City. I'm living with yeah. him. Yeah. For two weeks. Oh, my gosh. Now I didn't realize you were married at the time because I was kind of wondering what that would be like. You're living with Joe Namath in New York City and going out and seeing what's doing. But I, you're a married man at the time, so different. Yeah. maybe a different situation than yes. what I was initially thinking and hoping to hear stories about it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, Susie sounds like she was lovely at the very least. We know that. Oh, yeah. You know, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. So this is a first hand endorsement of James Carlton and his staff in Webster Groves. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. I think a lot of people just go, okay, well, I've got a guy got a lady. I'm good. I don't really care to talk about insurance. It's something, you know, I'm 25, whatever. And that's fine. I understand. I used to think the same way. And then I go down to my basement on March 30th of 2019 and the basement's flooded and the world changes. It just so happens because my interactions with James had been been so positive that my wife and I switched to James Carlton, uh, in late 2018. And I'm telling you, if we had not, the odyssey that has been a flooded basement throughout all of this precipitation in St. Louis would have been infinitely more difficult to navigate without somebody as active. And on top of it is James Carlton. His phone number is 314-961-4800, or you can go online at carltoninsurance.net. And even now he still checks in, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a different ball game. And even before we had that, which of course was a substantial issue. Um, you know, we weren't covered on, on something or I've forgotten to make a payment. It wasn't like, it was like some monster payment. It was a small payment. He's like, Hey, just so you know, uh, you haven't made this payment. we want to make sure that's taken care of. So you're covered. It's just, it's, it's just different. It's different in a much better way. And that's why, you know, if, if you ran into me at a, at a bar or restaurant and said, Hey, you know, and I have had it happen. Hey, Tim, who's that insurance agent? People email me and I go, oh, it's James Carlton here. Let me include him on the on the email, and I know he's going to be on top of it. I don't think twice about it. It's not like I'm like, oh, yeah, let me tell you about him. And then somebody actually wants to follow up, and I'm like, oh, God, I hope he does okay. The best, the absolute best. And you're talking about your biggest investments. So you want to make sure they're taken care of properly. James Carlton and his staff at Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency will certainly do that. 314 961 4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Well, so what's so so the football career ends, but you've already started doing the television thing. How did that all come to pass? Was that something you were interested in growing, uh, up or let's just kind of
1: happen? Uh, Regis Philbin.
0: Regis, okay.
1: Well, Regis from way back knew the boss at Channel Four, and he Regis would fly in once a month, do one show live, tape three shows. And they would run the next three Saturday nights, okay. then he'd fly in and do it again. Okay. Anyhow, Regis ended up doing the color for preseason big red games because he really? and he and the guy who was the boss at Channel Four, a guy named Tom Batista, they had a background where their paths crossed years earlier in San Diego. So they had kept in touch, and that's why Regis was coming in once a month to do these. Well, so I'm the head coach and myself were guests on the Saturday night live deal. Okay. It was like a Tonight Show right? right. format. Okay. Anyhow, when it was over, Regis said, you know, when football's over for you, you ought to think about this business. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right. Me on TV,
0: I don't think so. (laughs) But that's how it started. Well, you must have made a positive impression on them. They don't just throw that around if you've stumbled around, you know. Yeah. Well,
1: when you're interviewed about football and you're a football player, there's no new questions. Yeah you get asked questions you'd been asked a hundred times. So you either have a funny answer, a witty answer, a serious answer, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. So that night, because Regis was doing like a Johnny Carson format. Okay. And he'd ask me questions, and that night I decided to be funny and witty. (laughs) So when the show was over, that's when he said, you know, when football's over for you, you ought to think about this business.
0: So now it's planted in your mind. Well. A little bit. Very little. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I always said I had a much better face
0: for radio. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Yeah, but look at you. You're 75 years old. I'm jealous of you. I started losing my hair at 18. Look at this. It's a mess. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. Look at you. You just saw, like, like you saw a ghost. Could you yeah. <laughs> could you put that hat back on The, the and here you are, and you have like the greatest hair of my friends who are even like tw- in their twenties. You have the greatest hair, so you got you got you got the look that helps the cause, you know. Wow. I mean, he just has wonderful hair, and I don't know how old he is now, and you know that's part of the game, Tim. You know that. Well, that's all luck. <laughs> Trust right. me, I know, and I ran bad. <laughs> By the way. Keep that hat on. The <laughs> glare was a bear. It's awful. It's awful. I'm telling you, it's terrible. I started losing my hair at 19. You have the best hair going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Most of it still grows back.
0: <laughs> it does. it. I'm doomed. I'm done for. So, so what goes, so from Regis and that appearance to going to what was Camel X TV, correct? It was Camel yes. X TV. Then it yes. became Cam V. Did you enjoy doing it right away? Did you find uh, out, you know, what I like No, because I
1: was so nervous. Really? Yeah, well, you're not used to. It's talking like a, a TV camera, right?
0: Did you a, have this? What was a prompter situation then? See, so what I was used to is the prompter is just running. Some guys running it, but I hear these stories about how I used to have to like pedal it. But I don't know if that's a small market thing or if that's like an uh, old thing. I'm, I don't know. They,
1: there was a guy doing it. Yeah, okay. But the secret I found was to type your script like you talk. Oh, absolutely, conversational. Leave a lot of verbs out. In other words, you don't say the Cardinals hosted the uh, New York Mets tonight at Bush Stadium. You don't say that. You say Cards Mets at Bush tonight. You leave out a lot of verbs. Interesting. So you end up typing your script like you talk. Now, anchor guys can't do that. Mm -hmm. They have because they're dealing with serious topics lots of times.
0: So I, it's one of those things. I always felt like if you did TV, if you did broadcasting, either you could do it or you couldn't. I mean, you can certainly get taught and get better, but there are people who can sit in front of a camera or stand in front of a camera and talk, and then, then they just can't. And then there's some people who are just deer in headlights, and for whatever reason, they freeze. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And I don't know how good I was, but— well, if you were a sports director I've, for 13 I've... years, you had to be pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, some people watch you because they can't stand you. Yeah, I know. Isn't that weird how that works? Yeah. What a weird deal. Who were the other sports directors at the time in the market? Jay Randolph had to be, right? Right. Right. Uh, well, they made me a sports director. Uh, Bob Buck, Jack Buck's
1: younger brother, was the I number one that. guy. Really? Yeah. I never knew that. He had been there a while. I did not know that. Huh. And then I'd been there about a year, and they let him go, and I became kind of the main Sports guy.
0: Is that right? Huh. So, you also did some work as a color analyst on the NFL and CBS alongside uh, Bob Costas, and I understand you called him YBC. Is that accurate? Young Bob Costas? Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Well,
1: who was it? Jack Carney on Kim mm-hmm. radio. Always called him Young Bob Costas. Because he certainly was. And to <laughs> this day, uh, Bobby was in town. About a week, week and a half, gone We hooked up and had a bite to eat. And when I text him, YBC, TVG. <laughs> and I say, so he refers to me as TVG and I refer to him as YBC. <laughs> young, nice. <laughs> young Bob. <laughs> now you talk about a guy that has total recall. He and I did the, uh, who was Kansas City Chiefs and New Orleans Saints. And the long time Kansas City coach, Hank Stram, when they finally let him go, he became the head coach of New Orleans. Well, the game that Bob and I were going to do was New Orleans Saints and Stram coming back to Kansas City first time. And Trying to remember the name of the Kansas City head coach, Paul because okay. was my oldest brother's teammate at Stanford, and that's the game Bob and I did
0: together. And I, you talk about a guy that is talented. Could you tell right away? Within it's one of those things, isn't it, that you can tell usually in in, in this business? Yeah. Oh. It's just instantaneous. He just doesn't make mistakes.
1: And he's so good at it. Uh, And he has total recall, doesn't forget anything. And I remember I was standing on the practice sideline watching the Chiefs work out the day before the game, their Saturday workout. Somebody goes, hey, guy, you're not supposed to be here. And Paul Wigan knew me since I was a little guy when my brother and he were teammates at Stanford. He goes, Timmy, is that you? Yeah, yeah, Paul. And Paul says to the security guy, he says, he's fine, he's with me.
0: Made me feel good. How about
1: that? How about that? That was pretty cool. Yeah, that
0: was neat. Came full circle there. Did you enjoy calling the games on uh, CBS? Was that something well, you did I just did that one. Just that one. Yeah. Just that one. And it was with Bob Costas. And in a huge well, game, too, with the, that, that Hank Stram return to, to Kansas City. And they City. won. Yeah. Um, I had always
1: been taught through the years that, like, quarterbacks get way too much credit and way too much blame. The game, to me, is the lineman. The offensive line gives the quarterback time to throw open holes for the running back, but they get the least amount of credit. Uh, you, You know who the running backs and the quarterback, half the people can't name the offensive line, but Dierdorf and Dobler and that crowd, they were good. And that's one of the reasons the Cardinals had a nice little run. Um, but like I say, who, who in the stands would ever say, wow, did you see the block the right, right. guard made? Yeah. They don't know. They just
0: don't see it. But when you do think about the great teams, whether they be recent or whether they be the teams, and people do cite that offensive line from the Cardinals now because guys have become personalities and Hall of Famers, uh, you go back up. I mean, even like the greatest show on turf, you know, with Orlando pace, protecting Warner's blind side and Adam Timmerman who protected Brett Favre and then one up protecting Warner yeah. and Andy McCollum and Tom Newton, you know, the great teams have incredible offensive lines. That's such a, a huge part. And, and, Shows quite about about you as a quarterback to appreciate those guys because sometimes, <laughs> the, like you said, it's the quarterback, the running back, and the wide receivers, and maybe the tight ends who get the attention, and you forget about the five guys who are blocking.
1: Uh, my high school coach had a great line. He said, "Boys, anybody can run through a hole; <laughs> it takes a man to make one." Yeah,
0: well, yeah, boy, and that, that kind of stuck with me. Yeah, yeah, an appreciation for that offensive line. So, with the K, K- what became KMOV job. Um, it kind of became a thing in the 1980s where you had to have a bit of a shtick as the, as the, as the decade rolled on. You had Zip Rezepa come in with the Zippos, then, then channel five, I guess, tried to counter with the highlight zone with Mike Bush. Um, were you getting pressure to, to start doing that kind of stuff or, or what was going on in the 1980s for you? Wow, well, I can't remember, but I, I there
1: was no pressure. I was just trying not to stutter, (laughs) you know, screw up, because it's funny when you read a teleprompter, one, it's something that you've typed out, so you kind of know what's going on, Mm -hmm. but it's, you have to, as I mentioned a little bit ago, you got to type like you talk. Yeah. So it isn't doesn't appear that you're reading but uh who is it the tom batista our gm said remember the best ad lib is a written ad lib meaning the director knows what you're gonna say the
0: teleprompter person da, 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 da. Uh, wow yeah yeah and then you get into doing radio and you were at kfns and who were you work with Klabes? yes yeah I I tell you what,
1: I was so impressed with Claiborne's general sports knowledge. I mean, he could tell you, starting five for every NBA team, he could, I mean, he was amazing. And it was fun to work
0: with him. It wasn't even a job. It was just fun. Yeah, I've always, you know, I've done television and radio. And for whatever reason, I just enjoy doing radio way more. And now it might be the inverse of the way it was when you were doing television. But now there's, there can be anyway, substantially more money in radio than in in local television. I had no idea about that. Yeah. (laughs) I know. So when I left KMOV in 2005, everybody's like, oh, he must have gotten fired because he's doing radio. But I'm like, I'm making a lot more doing radio than I am TV. No, I was the number three guy. Steve Savard was the sports director. I wasn't the, the sports director, so it's a different ball game. But, mm-hmm. you know, I like to show up dressed like this. Obviously, it's important for me to cover up my head. Can't do that on TV. Yeah, the,
1: <laughs> I was talking about the glare. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's not going to fly. <laughs> So I liked it. But obviously, you're not as scripted on radio. You you and Claiborne could just sit there and shoot the breeze. Right. You know, and that's super fun.
1: Yeah. Actually, it turned out to be fun.
0: Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed those couple years with him. Now, Iggy told me you had the engineer build you a headset so you could do the show lying in a lawn chair. Is this accurate? Yeah. <laughs> I, I hesitate to even ask that question because Iggy sometimes makes things up and I don't know what's true and it's in my notes here and you look at me like <laughs> I don't remember
1: a lawn chair at all that, that was one that was made up
0: there it is good we'll have to use that for the show Pete <laughs> favorite game you ever covered in that position 82 World Series would that be in there I remember
1: we did some pre-game stuff for the 82 World Series. I mean, you're talking a long time ago. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, It's hard to put a favorite. Yeah. you just remember highlights? As far as an athlete or a coach you covered, was there somebody that you're like, man, I can't wait to talk to so-and-so? Well, through the years,
1: uh, I think
0: Joe Namath probably oh, yeah. was one. So you of still people. have a rapport with him? Well, I mean, relatively I, speaking.
1: Yes. Uh, if you met Joe and didn't know who he was, nicest, most down to earth guy you ever want to meet. And of course, he was big. He was the biggest thing yeah. there was yeah. for a while. Like any job, like any business. There are good guys and maybe not so good guys. Right, 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 but right. You put up with it. Yeah, you know. I just tried to get along with everybody. Yeah, you know. I and was I was never a superstar or anything
0: like that. <laughs> hey, man, you lined up against the uh, the, the Johnny Unitas uh, and beat him ten to three. So I, that that. That counts for more than any of us have done. <laughs> and you called the an NFL game. Iggy also tells me, now I don't know if this is accurate, especially after the lawn chair story, now I don't know what I'm asking anymore, that you're a hell of a golfer. Well, I used to be
1: decent, yes. Yeah.
0: Now, your definition of decent would probably be, like, great for most people because you're very humble about it. Where, where, where did you get?
1: Well, my dad and mom both played golf.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. And I...
1: Tag along. they play a public course and I'd pull a club out of the bag and hit it. didn't have a clue. But after <laughs> time went by, I got pretty good. And my first club I belonged to was Glen Echo.
0: Oh, that's a, I love that golf course. What a layout.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think I still got the lowest amateur around there ever. Really? But I got one that'll probably never be broken what do you have At glen echo there's three par fives okay. as
0: i recall number three number eight and number ten okay and i can picture three and i, I can picture ten I yeah e- I, number eight. okay I, I eagled all three
1: on this in the same round Oh, my that isn't going to be broken
0: <laughs> oh my like god. i said it might be tied but oh my god and you're not using, I would imagine at the time, you weren't using the equipment that uh, we're lucky enough to be able to use today with the clubs and the balls that go five miles. It's amazing how far they hit it. Yeah. Now.
1: And uh, the last, about the last year, year and a half, it's like it's like I don't know how to play anymore. Really? I've lost my motor skills or something like terrible. And it's no fun now. When you, when you don't, yeah. And... Uh, uh. Guys that have all through their lives play like I play now. They have the best time. They don't know any better. But when you go for 25, 30 years, and the highest your handicap got to was a 2. Oh, boy. And now you can't break 90. It's just no fun. Yeah, I understand. And it doesn't bother me to hit a, seven iron where i used to hit a nine iron I, i'm old i'm not supposed to hit it as far but i can't hit anything solid i'm i'm making a small move of some sort and i never had a lesson
0: never had a lesson no never a self-taught yeah wow did you work at it never <laughs> i just want to get up and leave <laughs> i hated hitting balls I See, I love hitting balls, and I suck. I'm in a 10, you know? A 10? Yeah. That's not suck. Well, but, I mean, you never—I work at it, and I'm a 10. I'm getting lessons constantly, and I'm still a 10. And you just—you hate hitting balls, and you were a 2. Or you probably were better than a 2, weren't you? Yeah. Couple, couple you ever times. go to the plus? Yes.
1: One, yeah. one
0: time. man. Did you ever the, think about doing something with no, it? No. No. <laughs> That's, see, I talk with these guys— uh, Mark Mulder pitched for the Cardinals, and he plays, and he got invited as a an exemption to one of the PGA events out in Napa. And, you know, he's 42, and I said, do you ever think about maybe trying to get on the senior tour, the champions tour, When you, and he goes, you don't understand the difference between, you know, I'm good. He goes, but it's like an A-ball player coming up and playing at the big leagues. He goes, they might get a hit one out of 20 or 30 times, but you just don't understand how good those guys are mm-hmm. until you play with them because he'll play with Pat Perez, Ches Reavy, not huge names on the tour, but, but you know, they've been out there for a while. And I'll go, I think I might have beat them. And it's like they shot 66 and they were barely even trying. You know, it's just effortless for him. It's an amazing thing. And now the distance you were talking about, Tim, I mean, that changes the whole world, you know. It is, mad. yeah, the ball and the equipment
1: now. It's got to be the ball. Yeah, that's uh, what Jack Nicholas says.
0: It's the ball. And I think they're... They've ruined a bunch of really good I know. golf courses. I agree courses. with you. I really do agree with you. Even though it benefits us, I, I, I agree with you. Now, Augusta, you know, it's like not even an effort to get on into two on those par fives anymore. It's yeah. expected, unless you're behind a tree or something. And they're doing it with irons. Right. Right. I mean, it's driver wedge, driver nine iron for most of these guys. Dustin Johnson's hitting the ball 320. Now there's a guy who come along Cameron Champ. He hits at 330, and it's just like, when does it stop? Guys my size are bombing it. You know, Ricky Fowler and, you know, Justin Thomas. By the way, you'll be happy to hear I texted Claiborne like I said I was going to. And I said, I'm sitting here with Tim Van Kelder right now. and I'm doing a podcast. And he wanted me to say hello to you. I said he's a classic. And he said, my man, he is a wonderful person. So he, maybe he just didn't get your text on the uh on the name of I you. hope so. Yeah, because I know he, he loves you and thinks the world. That guy can tell a story, too, can't he? Oh, he's got total recall. <laughs> yeah. that's in fact, that's what Costas does have. Yeah, the total I recall. Me- I remember I
1: texted him after a Kentucky Derby a few years ago, and he had what made me do it. He had interviewed one of the jockeys, and he was taller than the jockey. <laughs> So I text him and I said, you should interview jockeys more often. They make you look tall. He texts me back not too much, like maybe five, ten minutes later, he goes, Think I haven't thought of that. <laughs>
0: How awesome is that? Tim, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I grew up watching you. It's a 100% compliment. I'm thrilled to have you in here. Thank you so much for coming in and well, telling your story. thanks
1: for remembering and taking the time. And I was thinking to myself driving over here, it must be a slow <laughs> news day to have my sorry ass on here.
0: I've enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So there it is. Tim Van Gelder with us here on the Tim McKernan show, talking it over regarding all of the great things that he has done, essentially holding up a mirror to me and going, Oh my God, I have, I've done nothing. And also my head scared him. So those are, those are, those are my takeaways from it. Also just like the nicest man. And, uh, I knew that Mike Claiborne who can tell a story with the best of them as both Tim and I were saying, uh, Claiborne and Kelly chase. I'll sit there and listen to those guys and just get out of the way any day of the week. Probably uh, Mike Shannon would fall into that category, St. Louis-wise. Um, and to, 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 you know, text Claiborne in the middle of that and say, hey, I'm sitting here with Tim Van Gelder, and he immediately writes back, one of the nicest and classiest people I've ever met. That's how I would describe him. And just like, you know, as we were saying goodbye, a little behind-the-scenes thing here, not that fascinating, but just to give you some color, as they say, uh, he, I said, thank you for doing this. And he goes, thank you for remembering. You know, remember that, Gangster Pete? Yeah, you know, I mean, what a cool thing. I mean, not, you know, we, he didn't. But, yeah, I mean, he he did some incredible things in his athletic career, and he was a big part of the, the, the face of St. Louis sports. Club a large number of years. I mean, the history of it is not that long, relatively speaking. I mean, you're talking about, God, I don't know. I guess if we want to be estimate on the long side of it, 70 years, but that's, that's going super liberal. And if you're talking about St. Louis television and sports talk radio, you're really talking about a small amount of time. So if you were on the air for 13 years, uh, and played football for the football Cardinals, uh, you are, uh, certainly a person, uh, who is in St. Louis sports history in a prominent position that's what he is. And then to hear his stories and just kind of like, yeah, you know, I know it sounds like something out of a Hollywood script, but yeah, we went to dinner with Joe Namath and then he asked if he could, he could come with me and my wife and then he brought a date and she was beautiful. And it's just like everything you would think we're eating in lower Manhattan and, you know, and it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, i over the last year and a half, I haven't been able to play golf well and I've never been more than a two handicap. I'm like, you've never been more than a two handicap. What in the world were you before you started going bad? Cause here I am working on my game constantly And I can't get below double digits. So I guess some people just are born with it. And then there's whatever I am. But uh, I enjoyed the conversation quite a bit. You know, it was one of those interviews being real straightforward with you that I'm like, I told Iggy, I said, you know, I know Tim because I watched him, but we don't know each other. So I'm going to need some, some background. Um, and so I have some anxiety in those, you know, there's when we, when I know the people and I come in, I'm just like, oh, whatever, we're just going to BS and it's going to be great. But I want to make sure I do a good job. And if I don't know the person, the person doesn't know me, you know, and there's a feeling out process. And then like two minutes in, I'm like, this is great. And I'm just going to sit here and nerd out as always. So hope you enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And uh, my main takeaway outside of his greatness athletically is just a really good man who's appreciative of having an opportunity to, to tell his stories so tim van gelder our guest here presented by mark Hanna of evergreen wealth strategies from the home Loan studios thank you to ryan kelly thank you to mark Hanna. thank you to james carlton the carlton state farm insurance agency thank you to seth Goldcamp, design air heating and cooling online at designer service.com it's hard to stop a train they're online at designer service.com and also johnny Lindoff chevrolet highway 270 in the washington elizabeth exit they have some great specials for our listeners you just go in there and you say free dotem and you get 500 dollars off a pre-owned or new car. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit. Online at Landoff.com. Chevy, find new roads. As always, any question you have, send them my way. T. McKernan at insidestl.com for Wednesday's questions from the audience. We might be doing more of those soon, too. So uh fire away. And it doesn't have to be like, okay, I got 10 questions today. It could be one, and I can just go, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna dig deep. But you might need to trigger my memory with. Hey, remember this happened, this, the, you know, with this team, or this happened with the show, or this happened, you know, what happened there? Or what do you think of this? Because I see this I don't care. And then we can wind up having a conversation about it. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Your feedback, guest recommendation. Who haven't you heard? We've done about 80-some out of these. Uh, who would you like to hear? Email me, Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please subscribe, spread the word. It is the Tim McKernan Show on the InsideSTL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.